Nothing important. Maddie Patty. Maddie the Batty. Is that trademarked? Can I be Maddie the Batty uh, .0? 2.0. <clears throat> um, that was me channeling my ancestors. Ancestry.com informed me that I am no longer identifying as an American geographically. It's not just because I was born here, baby. Born at Bellevue Hospital, previously an insane asylum in Manhattan, New York. But guess what? I got 20% indigenous blood. This is my motherfucking country. You heard? <clears throat> I was reading today while I was taking a shit. Not going to lie to you folks. Not common for me. <laughs> Not common for me. I remember when I was a kid, I was just talking to my girl about this. When I was a kid, when I was in seventh grade, um, that's when like academia and my, my totem pole of values started to kind of teeter off. When I was in elementary school, I was a very stereotypical nerd. I was fat. I had circular Harry Potter glasses and um, I was a smart kid. I did all my work. I found great pride in doing all my work. I was actually uh, asked by the, the Board of Ed. They asked my mother twice when I was in the third grade and when I was in the fifth grade. When I was entering the third grade and when I was entering the fifth grade um, to skip me ahead because I had very high test scores. Back then, they used to do like uh, citywide assessments and it was like a, a four-point grading system. So you get a one which means you're, you're clinically retarded. You can get a two, uh, which means that you are clinically retarded and you, you got lucky. Uh, <laughs> you get a three, which means that you are, you know, on, on whatever spectrum of that three level, um, you are either an average child or you are above average. And then you get a four, which those are the above average children. I scored, on, I believe in third grade, on two of the assessments, the math and the English, I scored a perfect score. And so they approached my mother when I was in third grade. I, I want to say it was second grade that I scored that. And then third, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but they approached my mother. I remember this distinctly. Um, they approached my mother. They took me. It was uh, my principal at the time, Miss Caraballo. Miss Caraballo, PS38, East Harlem, New York. You know what I'm saying? They took my mother into the office. It was Miss Caraballo. It was the vice principal. It was somebody from the Board of Education and my fat ass with Harry Potter glasses sitting there at a table in an office. And they told my mother, we have excellent news for you. Your, your son scored a perfect score on two of the three citywide tests. This is incredible. And they gave me an award and they informed my mother upon this school year that they wanted to skip me. Now, my brother grew up with the condition of actual ADHD. Not the bullshit that you see on Instagram ads, not the fucking rhetoric, the, the rehashed propaganda that you see on YouTube or with podcasters. He actually had this condition. You know, you can see it on him. It was an inability to stay still. If you understand the acronym, Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder. There's all these people on fucking line. I have ADHD. I have ADHD. And they're lazy sons of the bitches. That's not ADHD. ADHD is like a person naturally producing cocaine as a fucking chemical in their body. <laughs> Can't stay still. My brother was highly intelligent. He was extremely distractible. He was um, incredibly active. 
And for these reasons, he suffered in school. And my mother being the um, Puerto Rican raised in Harlem, you know, I'm, I'm second generation in Harlem. Uh, and she was very young at the time, very naive and pretty stressed out, poor, in the hood, um, neglectful. You know, I could go down the motherfucking list. She decided that I would not be skipped because just so happens the same year that I it was potentially being skipped, my brother was being held back. So that would not only mean that I would go to the fourth grade instead of third grade, I would be one year younger than my brother in the fourth grade while my brother was one year older than me repeating the third. And that was a no-no for my mother. Um, so fuck me. And they, they offered once again when I was in fifth grade and they'd actually opted to put me in a course with other children. Um, I think there's like three of us that were actually in the fifth grade that were in a sixth grade class. And uh, so I did the sixth grade twice, essentially. But the point of all of this is uh, in seventh grade, I started to teeter off because the things that were happening in my household were like, it was crazy. Drug addiction outside, you know, that's really when like the gang culture was like really popping and unavoidable. I played sports. I lost a ton of weight. I remember when I was in sixth grade, I like, I made a fucking, a promise to myself. I was like, yeah, this dork shit is done. I stopped wearing my glasses. I still need them. I stopped wearing them. Really causes a lot of uh, tension in my fucking temple still. But I stopped fucking wearing them. And I lost a lot of weight. You know, I have a natural predisposition to be a fat son of a bitch. And I lost all this weight. And I did it by many, any means necessary. I stopped eating all the fucking junk food I was being served. And I remember I took all my textbooks and I put it in my book bag. And I would go up and down my hallway doing uh, curls and walking at the same time with that bag, with my book bag full of textbooks. And I went into the seventh grade slimmer. I had a growth spurt, started playing basketball. And I said, fuck school. I don't give a fuck about school. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I said all that. That was a fucking long way to get to the point of uh, I don't I don't typically take shits and read. Um. I remember I had this teacher in seventh grade. We had a parent-teacher conference, and she was crying to my mother. Um, and I, it was half crying because she felt bad for me, or she she wanted me to, to get a fair shake, and she thought I had potential intellectually, and I just wasn't putting the work in. Uh, and the other half is because I tricked that dumb bitch. Um, <laughs> she gave me this book to read. This lady, I got to tell you, you know? She's a gullible son of a bitch allowing a kid in seventh grade to trick her for an entire 365 fucking... Well, it's not 365 days, like 180 days to school year. But I tricked her for an entire year. I She gave me this book to read, The Da Vinci Code. And I say that I tricked her. I never actually read the book. I was just kind of like synthesizing the synopsis on the back cover. And for a year, I was just tricking the shit out of this bitch. She just kept on falling for it. Um, but I will say that she had a high level of... Uh, emotional intelligence or foresight or personality um, assessing because she she forecasted that I would be a fucking conspiracy theorist. You know what I mean? What she did not know, you know, and I'm going to wrap up this fucking uh, pitiful anecdotal. Um, what she did not know was that I, uh, I didn't not read that book because I was lazy. And this is an issue in education is like people have this general kind of like 
way to educate everybody. And that doesn't work because people's brains are, are vastly different from person to person. And I understand practic- and, and, and practical application of education. It's kind of difficult to kind of zone in on every student and figure out if they're more auditory or visual learners or ABC. I, I could have been distracted because my I didn't wear glasses and it hurt to fucking read. Right. It's not a, a competency thing. It's not a uh, focus issue. It wasn't an issue of interest. It wasn't an issue of hard work. It, it could have been that. What I actually think it is, is that I hate reading fiction. And the Da Vinci Code was just not going to fucking, it wasn't going to do it for me. It wasn't going to fucking do it for me. That all being said, today I was fucking reading nonfiction. I was reading some Noam Chomsky. I like Noam. You know, I nicknamed Noam, uh, Noam the Dome. If anybody knows who Noam Chomsky is, he is this uh, older Jewish gentleman who by trade, he's a linguist. And um, he uh, he's made famous as an author. And he has many famous interviews. He has documentaries made after some of his books where he kind of rips away away that veil over the eyes of the public as it pertains to the illusion of what this country is. To the average individual, we walk around believing this nation is just 100% lollipops and marshmallows. You know, this is the place that you go if you're an immigrant, if you're in a third world country, if you're in abject poverty around the globe, you come to America and you get a shot. That's what America is. And for the people who were born here, they get spoiled with that false illusory identity. And they were sold in the 19th. Their ancestors were sold in the 1950s. And uh, to this day, these dreams, the American dream, you get a, a beautiful house, white picket fence. You get a broad, you put her in the fucking kitchen. You got a little boy, you got a little girl, you got a two car garage. You fucking made it. You wear a tie, you slick your hair back. You're a fucking American, right? That's the dream for everybody. But that's not actually what this country is. And that's why I appreciate the nonfiction writings of Noam Chomsky. Beside the fact that um, I believe he's unbiased. I mean, everybody has their bias. He is unbiased in, in a sense that he reports a lot of information and cites his sources. And you can clearly um, go look up the historical context of the things that he talks about. It's not necessarily like... The way news is presented nowadays, where you go onto a news channel and instead of somebody just saying a guy got stabbed in the neck or a woman was shot near a train station, they'll show you a little snippet of the video, censor the rest, and then it'll be two people um, kind of like getting into their echo chamber, that their, their biased side, their political view, and they, they'll dissect it that way. And talk about, you know, some issue that is not what they're supposed to be reporting on. Just give you the facts of what happened, where it happened, what time, and is a suspect at large or are they in custody. What they rather do is give opinions. And they start talking about gun laws and all this other shit. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Um, and I appreciate that. And I, I was just thinking about it because it's like there's so many things historically in America that echo what's going on right now. I'm not going to get into the boring shit that he fucking talks about. You can go read it for your goddamn self. But I was just, I had a question on my mind as I was taking a shit. Something, there's this weird process by which as my body is pushing out um, feces, um, (laughs) as one thing is exiting me, you know, waste is exiting. It almost makes space for something else to come in. And it's these thoughts just start popping in my brain. 
And I was thinking about America. I love America. I just told you I'm fucking 20% indigenous. This is my country. You like it or motherfucking not. I'm team America. Throw a, a, a fucking costume on me. I'm a superhero. I'm Captain America, baby. You know, with the, the Spanish subtitles. Um, that being said, it's like I get confused with some of the, the, the actions that the American government, the military, the leaders in this nation, the politicians decide to commit to. Because uh, I, I don't know where they end up. I don't know where they end us up. There is this constant binary fight in politics where you have these overarching ideals on the left or on the right. And that battle seems to be more prevailing than the global chess game. And I was asking myself a question as, as a, a big old piece of shit was dropping out of my ass. I was like, how much money have we given so far to Ukraine? And why are we giving them this money? And I Google it. And it's actually pretty fucking difficult. You would think it would be like the first thing that pops up. When there's a general question about somebody's net worth or an actor's height, you just type it in. It'll finish the question for you. And they'll give you to the fucking millimeter how tall somebody is, how, how long their ball sack is, the ratio of ball sack to dick of any celebrity that you fucking like. That information, you can find it very quickly on Google. If you want to ask how much money the U.S. has given to the Ukraine so far, you got to search a little bit. They, you know, they, they put it under... You know, they put it under the carpet a little bit. So you got to go search for that. And I found out something like right now, it's like 60 billion. I know recently there was a bill proposed for like a lot more money. I don't, I don't remember if it got passed. Neither here or there. That's not the point of what I'm talking about. The bigger question that I have is like, why are we doing so? I get it. There is a global chess game. And it seems like there's an importance in our... Uh, the powers that be in America, there, there's some level of importance placed on not allowing Russia to take over the Ukraine. And so we give them inordinate amounts of money and aid. And as I was reading Noam Chomsky, you know, not to get specific on, on uh, historical events, we've done this before. We've given aid or we've given out money to other countries uh, right after World War II in an effort to kind of rebuild these places that are now our allies so that we can, it's, it's an investment, essentially. We, we give them money because we have a relationship with this country, whether it be Japan or whatever fucking country. And the deal is always, um, you know, gaining more allies and as well, you know, from a business perspective, import, export. You know, what are we giving to them? What are we getting from them? That led me down like a question of like, you know, why, what, what exactly is Ukraine export? What are we getting from them? I don't know if that's necessarily why we're giving them money. You know, the, the whole, the, the, what we tell the public is like humanitarian. I, I don't believe that shit. Um, I think it's a chess move with the intentions that Russia does not gain more power and territory because Russia is powerful and they have great relationships with the most powerful the most powerful nation, you know, China. If you're thinking really on a perspective of like most of our debt is to China, you know, most of our imports in the United States, the, the top categories of U.S. imports, really a lot of that comes from China. You know, computers, uh, machinery, mass production of goods, clothing, you know, the made in China thing is a stereotype, but it's fucking true. And I think that is not only America. There's a lot of other places that benefit. But China has a relationship with Russia because 
they get things from them. I don't know how much we give to China. I don't think we give a lot to China. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that. But that import-export game made me think as well. Like, I get curious. Like, we, we have such a fight in this country about, like, binary politics. And I feel like the onus is always on distracting our civilians, infantilizing the people of America um, politically and um, keeping them unknowledgeable about the global chess game. I don't really, I'm, I'm starting to not see the profit in that. I get you want to control your nation. I get, you know, it, it is governing. You have to govern the people. But I feel like it's getting to a point where the, the value is more so on distracting the people versus playing the global chess game correctly. Because we had a president who was extremely polarizing in Donald Trump. And he came out and he said racist things 100%. The guy's a pompous, rich, white asshole from Manhattan. That's who he is. That's not a character. That's who he is. But he did change his political party. I'm sure he got some fucking highlights in his hair to make it look a little bit more blonde. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, he played the character of fucking Richie Rich, the, the white conservative. Um, and he played it well. But thinking about the actions and the ideas that he was committed to when he was in office, I tend to kind of agree as I'm looking at what we're doing now. I kind of agree with what he was doing from a global perspective. I remember the initiatives were like tightening the borders. Um, that became this big fucking joke with a wall and all this bullshit that's really not, it's counterproductive, it's, it's money wasting, but just the ideas. Tightening the borders and uh, manufacturing putting more onus on manufacturing in the U.S. for us to create the goods that we consume. And I, I thought about that. I was like, man, a lot of this power thing, like right now we're giving all this fucking money to Ukraine. I don't know if it's like a, a long play so that when they rebuild in this, whatever conflict they're going through right now, um, when they rebuild, they're, they're going to be able to give us resources. I don't, I don't really understand or so that Russia doesn't get more territory. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really understanding that. I think the real power plays are import-export power. And right now, we are so dependent on other countries, on other powers, whether they be our adversaries or our allies, we're so dependent on their goods and their manufacturing and their mass production at a lower price that it doesn't matter how much money we got or how much influence we got over the globe. How long does that last? How long does that last? I really do think the fucking that America has to outside of its bias, like Donald Trump came up with these concepts or he was kind of drilling. I don't think he came up with this, but this is kind of like what he was talking about from a, a global business perspective. Let's stop beefing with North Korea. Let's stop beefing with Russia. Let's go over there and shake fucking hands with these crazy sons of a bitches. Even like North Korea, their power is not really an import export. They're not really an import-export power. That, I don't think that's what their power is. I feel like they're an ally of China because they have a crazy son of a bitch that's he's ready to do it. <laughs> this guy's ready to do it. China's like, this guy's ready to do it. You could be my friend. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll be your friend. We'll help you out. You, got, you need this, that, and the third. Let's be buddies because this nigga's ready to do it. He's ready to push the fucking button. You know? I think the real power is in what we need from people and what we can give. And as we do transition, we are in a transitional point. Technology is advancing. The, um, you know, the, the, the ways by which we power things 
around the globe, that's going to transform in the next 50 to 100 years and shift power completely. I think that has to be the mentality. Like if I was America, I would take all that money and uh, the 60 billion that we've given to Ukraine, and that would be more investments into like local geographic prospects, you know, thinking like the past when America invested into Latin America, whatever chess moves that they made to kind of build up their allies or their influence on the on the Western side of the globe. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a lot of plays that could be made on this side of the planet to secure a greater future instead of giving all that fucking money to Ukraine. It doesn't make sense to me. And maybe it's just like I'm not privy to the information or the chess move that is being committed to, but it, it appears like we're just trying to give money to Ukraine to fight off or survive Russia so that, I don't know, so that they don't expand more and get more powerful. I mean, that's a very short-sighted, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's money well spent. I think a lot of the things that Trump was talking about outside of the fucking racism and the polarizing figure that he is, there's value to some of it. You know, the, the, the global chess game, being a businessman, understanding what makes the world go fucking round. It's import export. You know what I mean? I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. I'm also a fucking retard. I just told you I don't read a lot. I told you I kind of checked out from being a smart guy in seventh grade. Um, I'm an idiot. I, I read a book and let's just be fucking honest. I read the book because it was a picture of an old white man and he had glasses on. You know, how much bias was at play in my brain? I was like, this guy's got to be fucking smart. And I'm just taking his word for it. Am I, am I fucking vetting out what he was saying? Not really. Not really. I was also taking a shit. You understand what I'm saying? Grain of salt. Grain of fucking salt. Um, let's talk about something that is on the caliber of my motherfucking intellect. The king is back. The motherfucking king is back. John Jones. John Bone Jones. John Bone Jones. John Bone Jones. Jones. Very smart move. Dana White was just caught. Um, in the mainstream, slapping his wife up. I got no problems with this, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm joking. <laughs> she slapped him first. And he was not he was not beating the shit out of her. For all the fucking uh, women's rights activists, she, she hit him first. And Dana White is not a small guy. He just gave her a couple of love taps. He was like, hey, listen, you got you to gotta fucking remember, at the end of the day, we are animals. <laughs> I think Dana's from Boston. They're not soft people up there. It's the Northeast. He gave her a couple of, hey, bitch, you know? And so he's having some bad publicity that has got to hurt the UFC. On top of that, I heard Francis Ngannou is stepping away from the UFC and he's making a play with uh, one of the fucking Paul brothers. I don't know what the fuck I was reading, but I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Um, in light of all that, a move needed to be, we were talking about chess a lot today, a move needed to be made from a business perspective. I like it. Somebody gave a call to John Jones, maybe this was already in the works, but I like to think from a fucking conspiracy, conspiracy theorist angle and, you know, like to create a deeper narrative, maybe where there is none. Who the fuck cares? We're talking about cage fighting. This is not for smart guys. Listen, Dana White, I'm, I'm, this is all assumption and I'm making it, I'm pulling it out of my fucking ass like that shit dropped in the toilet earlier. Dana White gave a call to John Jones. John Jones was laid up. He was chilling the fuck out. He was eating a Big Mac in and out of fucking sleep, Right. He gave a call to him. He's like, hey, how about you make some motherfucking money? How about you stop playing the fuck around and you reactivate that God-given talent to be a bad 
motherfucker. Get back in the cage. We're going to find a guy. We're going to throw it on pay-per-view. You're going to fucking whoop his ass because you're John Jones. Doesn't matter who the fuck it is. You're going to fucking whoop his ass. You're John Jones. Just get in shape. This guy was, he was fucking obliterating the scariest men on the planet after like cocaine benders. This guy was obliterating some of the, like the most brutal human beings in the history of humanity <laughs> in a fucking cage after getting drunk and fucking with bitches. You understand what I'm saying? This guy's like naturally a bad son of a bitch. He's a bad motherfucker. So I'm going to check out that motherfucking fight. I don't typically pay for pay-per-view, but ladies and gentlemen, I think you should. I think you fucking should. John Jones, if you're not a UFC fan, this is a great entry point. You get to get some history. You get to you know see the revitalization of such an incredible uh, company, you know, the UFC, uh, within an incredible industry, cage fighting. It's American through and motherfucking through, and I'm I'm gonna enjoy that. I, I was watching. I was reading a little um, interview that he had. It was an article about an interview that he had, and he was talking about the people that he would he wanted to fight. I, he's fighting some guy. I don't know who's Cecil's. Or I don't know the fucking guy's name. I guess he's. He's going to be great. I think he's going to get his fucking ass whooped. I'm not, I'm not even going to look at that guy's highlight reel. That's how much faith I have in John Jones, obliterating whoever the fuck is in front of him. But I wanted to see him versus Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou kind of tapped out. Um, we're going to see what happens with him in the, in the future. Francis is not the greatest technical heavyweight. He's not the, uh, the guy that comes from fighting for the entirety of his life. And that being said, that's actually a motherfucking lie. I meant like professional fighting. The guy is a fighter in life. I like Francis Ngannou for his goddamn story. If you've seen interviews of the fucking guy, the guy lived like, it's like, you know, Rocky meets the alchemist. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's like a Rocky story, but the fucking outlandish, you know, walking through the desert um, fairy tale that the alchemist kind of displays. The guy was, uh, I guess he was, He's like essentially a child fucking slave. He there was there's no worker rights where he's from, and he was working in a mine, digging out emeralds or diamonds with his fucking bare hands, whatever the fuck he was doing. He escaped from that like many people from his country in Africa do, and doing so is a very dangerous task. And what he had to do, what he had to overcome from a physical and psychological standpoint for him to even get into Europe to be able to have a chance at a normal existence. I'm not even talking about his ascension in the fighting world. I'm just talking about him to get the fuck out of that ridiculous life that he was born into. It's just magical. And then on top of that, when he gets into quote unquote freedom, you know, he finds a way in fighting and rises to be the heavyweight of the world, heavyweight champion of the world. And uh, so I wanted to see that fight just from a perspective of like, this guy's like, his life is like a dream. It's like a fucking book. You can't write this. It's incredible. And John Jones, I think, is the most gifted fighter of all time. Gifted. I'm not talking about the greatest in work ethic. I'm not talking about, you know, like, I, I have a perspective coming from the hood where I, as I mature, I realize the power and the importance of hard work and developing skills and refining your talents and zoning in and getting trained and having a coach, all of that is great. Where I come from, my culture, we would go and watch these basketball tournaments in the hood, Rucker Park, 
I grew up in the East Side, East Harlem, 109th and 3rd Avenue. They used to do the Bomb Squad tournaments. It was it was like a million fucking tournaments. You go to the Kingdom in Harlem. There's a million and one fucking tournaments that you grow up watching basketball in New York City. And what you see from time to time are people who didn't have money to join these teams like Gauchos or the Gladiators or et cetera. They didn't have the money to get coached. They didn't have the access to be Nike swoosh. You know, they didn't have access um, maybe even to play, um, you know what I'm saying? Some of these sports leagues where they would get developed, but their talent superseded any amount of training that anybody else was doing. And John Jones is that type of guy. He has God-gifted abilities. The guy was getting fucking lit out of his brain and then going and beating the shit out of assassins. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so both of them have like a fucking magical past. That's the fight I wanted to see. That's not what's happening. Um, John Jones said more than that fight because I think that's kind of the, the crowd favorite. That's what everybody wanted. Um, he wanted to fight another guy who is an incredible, probably one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, Stipe Miokic, if I could fucking say his name. He wanted to fight that guy. That fight is also not happening. He's fighting another guy. I still think the pay-per-view is fucking worth it. I think if John Jones is John Jones anymore, he's going to whoop whoever the fuck is in front of him. And maybe a Stipe fight follows. Maybe even if we could fucking wish, you know what I'm saying? Tug on your balls, uh, you know, stroke your dickhead, uh, spin around three times, say Candyman five times in the mirror and and blow a fucking, blow a feather in the air. Make a wish. 11-11, baby. Maybe Francis Ngannou, John Jones in the future. I would love to fucking see it. I think that's a motherfucking podcast, ladies and gentlemen. For anybody who's a continual listener to the Nothing Important Podcast, thank you for listening. Do me a favor. Go on to my Instagram, like the post, like the reels. Until next time.